here, whether we know it or not, is because you are holy and you're worthy. And Lord, we are meeting corporately because it's so good. It is, it's right and it's healthy that we celebrate our relationship with you as a body, corporately. Lord, hopefully we do that every day. Hopefully every day we are in fellowship with you as part of your body. But Lord, your word commands us that we are supposed to get together on a regular basis and we're supposed to worship you. We're supposed to come together and, and that, that intimate friendship that we have with you during the week, Lord, when we bring it all together here, each one of us, Lord, it's powerful. It's, it, it's so much more powerful than it would be if we just stayed home by ourselves. So Lord, I'm sure it's already been prayed by many, but would you please manifest your presence here let us hear your voice. Would you speak to us about the things that are on your heart for us? Lord, I, I, I am absolutely sure that you are way more passionate about our time together here this morning than we can even imagine. So Lord, would you surprise us? Would you show up in ways that we, we couldn't even imagine? You are the God who does exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask or even think. So Lord, we, we ask that you would fulfill those words and that you would do here what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if Steve Horn could stand up here last week in jeans as an elder, I figured it wouldn't be out of line for me to be in boxer shorts today. But that probably wouldn't have been appropriate. And I don't own boxers anyway. So I just decided to do jeans and a t-shirt since that's what I'm most comfortable in. I could have done shorts. I like shorts, but it's a little cool out. It's my sister-in-law's birthday today. Did you know that? How many of you guys knew it was Dawn's birthday? Where's Dawn? Dawn Hansen, 85 years old. Doesn't look a day over 80. I love you, Don. Happy birthday. Air hug. I went to see the movie Courageous yesterday. How many of you guys have seen that so far? That's it? Is that it? No, seriously, put your hands up if you have seen Courageous. Okay. All right, the rest of you, get your lives right with God. You need to go see, you need to go see Courageous. How many of you have seen it more than once? Where's Sarah? Oh, yes, if Sarah were here, we were, we, Heidi and I went to Wilmer yesterday, and Sarah and Ava and Warren were, were there as well. So, yeah, very good, very good movie. I, uh, of course, I, you know, I'm not going to tell you about it because I want you to go and see it, but I'll tell you, that nuclear bomb scene was unbelievable. <laughs> I just, how they survived that was Beyond, no, I'm just kidding. There, there's no nuclear bomb scene. Don't, don't you hate when people are so excited about a movie that they have to tell you about it and you haven't seen it? I, you know, I hate being rude about that. It's so hard for me to stop them and say, please don't tell me anymore. But some people just have that itch and they have to scratch it. Fortunately, no one told me about it. And, uh, I, you know, there, there was a lot of hype and a lot of buildup. And 
I'll tell you what, it, uh, it, certainly, it certainly met my expectations, especially in terms of the message and the content. Uh, if you guys remember back, uh, Bruce, and Bruce and I, we talk a lot about the old days back. Uh, how many of you guys remember the Thief in the Night series? You guys remember that? Life was filled with guns and war and everyone. Yeah, Aaron, come on. Got trampled on the floor. You remember that, right? <laughs> I wish we'd all been ready. Is that just me? Am I the only one that saw that? Huh? That was an AG movie, I know. Assembly of God. I grew up in Assembly of God, and we were big into that one. We got a lot of people in the kingdom on that one. That was, uh, that was, uh, that was a big, uh, that, that was a big time movie. I think, I think there were people that got saved eight, nine times seeing that, seeing that thing. But this was, uh, Courageous was a terrific movie. It was, uh, uh, it was also well done. And, um, and I really, uh, I, but, but I'll tell you, the content the content was, uh, was fantastic, and, and that's really why you want to go. Uh, speaking of content, uh, I want to be up front with you about this, because today, uh, I'm thinking, is going to be all about content, because I have no idea what I'm really talking about. I, I was up until, I got to bed about 5 o'clock this morning, because I absolutely struggled and wrestled with this. And I did it and redid it. I've never, I, I've never started so early on a message and just feeling like it ended so poorly. And so Bruce had words of encouragement for me. He said, you know what, that usually means that that's, that's when the best stuff is going to come out. And I have to believe that that means content because my presentation, uh, if, if you're here for that today, you might as well leave. Um, I can just mail you or email you my notes and you can take a look at it. But I hope that the content today will be what God wants it to be. Uh, you know, watching the movie yesterday uh, and seeing the main characters deal with the challenges that come with being a man, uh, a husband, a father, a leader, uh, you know, you, you can't help but self-assess as you're watching this movie and, and seeing how you stack up in these different areas. And I think that self-evaluation can be kind of a tricky endeavor. I don't think a lot of us are good at it. I think it's very easy for us to be too hard on ourselves, and we kind of bash ourselves, and we condemn ourselves, and, and we live under a dark cloud. Or I think we can go the other direction. We can, we can kind of rationalize a lot of our behavior, a lot of our attitudes, a lot of the things that we do, uh, because there's a reason. And... You know, I, I, I've, been, I, I've been spending a lot of time, uh, as you guys know, because I probably say this just about every time I do speak, uh, I, I've been spending a lot of time uh, daily thinking about what God expects of me as, uh, as a believer, uh, as his son, as a husband, as a father, as, as the head of a household. And this movie just... Uh, um, I guess maybe the best way for me to put it is uh, it, it just confirms so much of what I think God is doing in my heart and in the life of not just myself, but my family, and the direction that he wants me to head. And when you spend a lot of time examining yourself, which, you know, should be, health, should be a healthy thing, uh, I, I think if you're like me, you probably try to find... You're not just looking to, you're not just examining just to examine. You're examining because you're looking for answers. You're looking for things that will help you 
be and do what God has called you to do. Uh, I guess maybe I could call it a magic bullet. I, I'm sort of looking for something. It's like, Lord, I'm looking. I, I don't want to use, I don't want to say it's a formula, but Lord, I'm looking for ways that I can be better at what you've called me to. And over the last, I don't know, uh, as I've been thinking about things over the last couple of months, I think, uh, I think the Lord's really begun to highlight one area that, that I know that I can focus on that will help me in those things. And I think that's what I'd like to share with you today. Um, you know, as I look back on my life, and, uh, you know, I'm, gosh, man, I'm, get, I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to 50 now. I don't look 50, do I? No. <sighs> no. I... Is, 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 that, is that you, Dawn? Dawn? Thank you. That sounded like Dawn. You know what? I would be a fine looking 75 if I was 75, so there. You know, I'm almost 50. Well, Heidi and I have been married for 25 years now. And, you know, when I look back on the challenges that we faced, actually, I forget challenges, the fights we've had, the things we've argued about, the things we've gotten mad over, the things that we've disagreed on, uh, you know, number one, I'll say this, and I freely admit that if I would have lived my life the way my wife wanted me to, uh, life would have been much better. But as I look back on a lot of these challenges, and, and both the things that I did well, the good choices that I made, as well as the poor choices, it seems that I can, I can, I can find one ingredient that was present during the good things and that was absent in the bad things. And I find that that ingredient is just as relevant today as it was when Heidi and I first got married 25 years ago. So, if you'd like to open your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 11, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag right off the bat, and I'm going to tell you what that ingredient is. Matthew 11 Verses 28 to 30, we're going to, I'm going to be reading out of, the, out of the NIV. Not that that matters, I don't suppose you're going to change your Bible just because I'm reading out of the NIV. This really is something, this whole concept about glasses helping you to see better. I mean, I enjoy reading when I have these on, but then you guys are all blurry. I don't really know what to do about that because I hate taking them off and on and off and on, but... Huh. Verse 28, Matthew 11. These are the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Today, I'd like to just spend a little bit of time talking with you about the power of a humble heart. Because the more that I meditate on this, the more I'm convinced that the key to vibrant, healthy relationships, especially with those that are closest to you, to surviving difficult times, trying times, and also with fulfilling the personal mission that God has given you. I believe 
that one of the ingredients that is vital for that to happen is having a humble heart, walking in humility. And I'm so glad that God chose me for this mission because I live this out so well each and every day. That's why my family's not here, because they can't contradict anything that I say. There is a reason I sent them upstairs to uh, get all the prep ready for the fundraiser. So remember, what, what's spoken here stays here. All right, Dawn? Are you weary and burdened? Are you overwhelmed? I am. I cannot believe the pace of life. And if I only had to tackle challenges one at a time, I think I'd do pretty well. But the fact is, that's not how life rolls. Life rolls over me wave after wave after wave. If you've ever, anyone ever been to the ocean? You ever get out in the waves and get caught by a rogue wave that knocks you down? And then you get up, and just as you're about to get up and catch your breath, another one hits you and knocks you down, and then you roll in the surf, and you get sand in places that you don't want to talk about today. And you get up, and you're choked, and another one, and over, and they, you know, and they come in sets like that. And a lot of times, that's the way life is. That's the way my life is. Maybe I'm just a drama queen, I don't know, but that is kind of the way it is for me. It, it, it just seems like it's just one thing after another, and it's not just for a week or two weeks or a few weeks. It's, it's months on end, and in some cases, it's, it's years on end. But the good news is this. Jesus gives us a promise. He says, if you are weary, that means if you're tired, I'm tired a lot now. Maybe that's, maybe that's just the product of being 48 now, but I, I'm tired a lot. I don't seem to get a lot of sleep. I, I think I sleep well, but you know, I wake up. If I go to bed at 10, you know, I, get, I, get, I wake up at 2. And then I'm up for an hour and a half, two hours, and then maybe sometimes I get back to sleep, and, and I wake up, and it's just, you know, I'm tired a lot. And I'm sorry if I sound whiny, but you know what? I've got the microphone, so I can do that. <laughs> and I'm also... I'm also overburdened. I, there's, there's always something going on. And it doesn't matter when something ends because then something else just comes up to take its place. It doesn't really matter. I think the only time you really get to rest is when you're dead. That's probably it. I think that's the way, I think that's the way it's supposed to go. I didn't really know that before, but apparently that's the way it is, unless God tells me different. Jesus has a promise for those that, those of us, that are tired, and that are weighed down. And he says this. He says, I will give you rest. But he tells us there are two things that we have to do to get that rest. But we're not going to talk about those just yet. What do you think of when you hear the word humble? Humble. Someone who is humble. Uh, what's the picture that you have of someone who is humble. Who in your life do you know that you would say, you know what, they're humble? Now, of course, I don't know what your definition is. Uh, maybe you think of humble being lowly. I'm not sure. Or, I don't know, almost, humble can sometimes almost sound pitiful, can't it? This is the definition that I like. As I was looking up, I was looking up not just the word humble, but I was looking up some of the, some of the synonyms that go along with it. 
And one word was modest, which I, I like that. Uh, another word for humble was unassuming. I liked unassuming because unassuming to me means that you're kind of well-grounded. Uh, but that led me to another word, and this is the one that I really liked, unpretentious. Unpretentious. A humble person is unpretentious. And this is the definition of unpretentious. Not attempting, oh, excuse me, let me put these on. Oh, yeah, there we go. Not attempting to impress others with an appearance of greater importance, talent, or culture than is actually possessed. The root word would be pretense or pretend. And I really thought, wow, you know that? that now, see, that to me is accurate. That, that really sounds like that the humble heart is a heart that does not pretend. See, when you, when you have pretense, it means that you are pretending to be something or someone other than you are. That's pretend. We pretend. I, I used to pretend all the time. Didn't you? We all pretend. But at some point, we have to come back to reality. But you know, depending on what our past experiences are, depending on what our, how our life has gone, depending on how we feel about ourselves, sometimes almost as a defense mechanism, sometimes we can pretend. When I was in seventh grade, I moved to, I, I moved to Hawaii from Germany. I was a military brat. And I had very few friends. I lived out in the country. Didn't know I was a farm boy, did you? I lived out in a farm. My grandpa had a little 30-acre sweet potato farm. And I was like way out in the sticks. And so I didn't have many friends. And so when I did meet kids, what happened? I wanted to make a good impression on them. So I pretended. I lied. I told them that I used to belong to a gang and I just made up all these bogus crimes that we used to commit, and they were really bad. I can't even tell you about some of them. Um, I used to tell them I was a boxer. I told them I was, a, I was a, a specifically a golden gloves boxer. And you know what? They didn't know me, so they just ate that stuff up. And you know what? As a result, it made me kind of popular. You know? it, it actually, it, 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 made me, it made me feared because I was actually a big kid. Believe it or not, I wasn't much smaller then in seventh grade than I am now, uh, outside of another 60 pounds or so. But, you know, I pretended because I, I really wanted to be someone that other people would like. I wanted to be popular, and so I pretended. So a humble person is someone, though, that, unlike me, doesn't have to pretend. They are who they are. And Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you know what? I am humble. I am who I say I am. I'm nobody else. I don't have to be. Jesus was very comfortable in his own skin. If we could say for argument's sake that, or just for definition's sake, that pretension is pretending to be better than you are. Humility, then, is simply being known for who you actually are. So here's a question that I've got for you. When is the last time that you were really honest about yourself? Charlie, how are we doing? When is the last time you were this honest about yourself? Why don't I start? 
The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Uh, I worry about diseases, so uh, I have trouble touching things. Uh, in public places, it's, it's uh, almost impossible. I have a real big problem moving. Talk about moving. As long as I'm in my apartment, I'm okay. But when I want to go out, I get weird. Talk about weird. Talk about weird. Well, I get dizzy spells, nausea, cold sweats, hot sweats, fever blisters, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, blurred vision, Involuntary trembling, dead hands, numb lips, fingernail sensitivity, pelvic discomfort. So the real question is, what is the crisis, Bob? What is it that you are truly afraid of? What if my heart stops beating? What if I'm looking for a bathroom, I can't find it, and... My bladder explodes. For those of you who have seen What About Bob before, you know that I had to stop it there. <laughs> who was laughing? <laughs> the old Ava. How many of you guys have seen What About Bob? All right, that was, that was like 20, 21 years ago that movie came out. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of good spiritual lessons there, I think, if you dig deep enough. Can I ask you something, church? Do you think that we as Christians spend a lot of time pretending? I think we do. I do. I think I'm, I, I know that I'm not immune to that. I... I think about, uh, in the very simplest way, I, I think about the way that I dress. Not a whole lot, as you can see, but, but I, I think about the way that other people perceive me. And there's a way that I hope that people perceive me. And you know, there's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. Uh, I, I think having, a, having a, a healthy image is probably important, but you know, as Christians... Shouldn't we be the ones who, who are the most comfortable with who we are? And yet, it's almost as if because of who we are, we sometimes feel the most pressure to be sometimes someone that we're really not. I think we spend a lot of time trying to pretend that our lives are better than they are, pretending that we don't have strongholds or struggle with sin. When's the last time that you were honest with not just yourself, but, but with someone important in your life, and certainly with God himself, about where you were really at and what was really going on in your life? I think oftentimes those times are far and few between. Let's go back to that verse 
in Matthew. I'm going to read it again for you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, I don't know. You know, there's so many verses in the Bible that sometimes you look at and maybe you hear about them, but you don't really think about them all that much. And then there are some that when you look at it at first glance, because you don't get it, you just kind of pass on to something else. And, and this is one of those verses for me. You know, it, yeah, you know, Jesus wants to give me rest and yeah, I should take up, you know, I should take his yoke upon me and I should learn of him, and that's cool. But, you know, I didn't always think about what that meant. And, and so as I was going through this, you know, the first thing that caught me was, of course, uh, since I'm speaking about a humble heart and humility, was Jesus talking about himself being humble in heart. But I had to ask myself a couple of questions. One of those was, what is, was the yoke that Jesus was talking about? He says, take my yoke. So what was Jesus' yoke? And if Jesus is telling me to take his yoke, he's, he's inferring something. He's saying that I have a yoke too. So what is my yoke? What's the yoke that I'm carrying? Because obviously, Jesus is telling me that the yoke that I'm carrying is burdensome. It's going to make me tired. But the yoke that he's carrying, it's easy and it's light. Kids, is it, is it something I said? <laughs> you know, the killer is this. They do this to me at youth group all the time. <laughs> like right in the middle, they just get up and there's no fundraiser then. I don't know what to make about that. All right, so I don't get off here on a bunny trail. Jesus says, take my yoke. I want rest, folks. I want rest because I am weary and I'm overburdened. And Jesus promises me that rest, but he says two things. He says, first of all, take my yoke. And secondly, learn from me. Taking my yoke. You know what I think that is? And this, you know, I could be wrong here and you'll have to read this for yourself, but, but I think that my yoke is simply this. I think it's my way of doing things. I think it's me trying to make things happen. Whether it's about the way that I accept myself or the way that I look at myself or the way that I want others to look at me or the way I make my decisions and the things that I do, it's me. It's my way of doing things. And over the course of time, folks, that gets tiresome. And Jesus, Jesus makes me an offer. He gives me a trade-off. He says, listen, I'll make you a deal. You take my yoke and I'll take, I'll take yours away. So what is Jesus' yoke? Well, Jesus' yoke, I think, is this. And I think it's found right there in, in this verse. It says, he says, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart. You know what I think Jesus' yoke is? It was his ability to be himself. It was his ability to... He didn't have to put on airs. He didn't have to pretend to be someone that he wasn't. He was absolutely comfortable with who he was because he knew who he was. He knew who his father was. He knew his relationship with the father. And he knew the mission that he had. And you know what he calls us to do? He says, you know what? If you're tired of trying to be what others think that you should be, or what you think others think you should, want, want to see in you, he says, forget all that. Take my yoke. Be who I 
see you as, who I have called you to be. You know, long before I worked here, I sat in these pews just like you. And I wasn't paid to be up here. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes I see myself differently. And sometimes I see things differently when I sit back there because I'm, I'm an employee, because I'm a pastor. And maybe I'm supposed to, I don't know. But, but just like when I was, before I worked here, one of the things that I, I, kind, of, I kind of always think about, especially during worship, uh, I, I love sitting in the back during worship and just watching what's going on during worship. It's not that I'm not worshiping, but I like to observe what's going on. What kind of a church do we want to be? I think it's so easy for us to to get in a rut, to come up here and, and, and I know we don't mean to, and I think we even talk about this Quite a bit, probably. I know. I know. In the last, you know, almost four years since, since, uh, since Bruce and Athena have have taken the leadership of this church, I, I don't know that there's ever been more of an emphasis on us, not just passionately pursuing God, but us, passionately pursuing the mission that God has for us. But, I think. That, there has to, that, that something has to come before we can accomplish that mission. And I think it's tied up in humility. Now, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, and I'm, and I'm, I'm just going to speak honestly. And, I, and, and I, hope that, I hope that even though you guys know me as well as you do, I mean, I, I, don't, know that, uh, I don't know that there's a whole lot about me that you guys don't know. I hope that in spite of that, you can still hear what I have to say. Because it's just an observation. And that observation is this. Sometimes my heart gets a little grieved because I think that as a body, sometimes we just do church. We're not the church. We just come and we do it. It's not that we don't, please don't get me wrong, it's not that we don't love God. You know, I think, I mean, my goodness, I, I love this church. I, I love this body. Um, this, this is my home. I don't know where else I would go if we, if we weren't here. But sometimes I sit in the back and I feel for Bruce and Athena because I wonder why it's so hard for us to get on the same page. Why it's so hard for all of us to understand that we are the body and we need each other. And I think we spend far too much time coming in here and I, I can't say it any differently, and we try to impress each other. Not consciously, but, but subconsciously. And I wonder what what would a service be like here if we just came and, and just freely spilled our guts? 
and we talked about what's really going on in our lives. It's not that we don't get great preaching, but I wonder how many times after a Sunday morning service, when we go to lunch and we're sitting at Subway or Burger King or wherever we go, how much do we, how often do we talk about the service, talk about the message, and talk about what God may be saying to us through that and how he might want to change our life? I'm guilty of that. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not telling you that I, that I do. But I am telling you this. After watching that movie, it just reminds me. It reminds me that God has called to me, and he has called us, his body. And if this is your home, you are part of this body. He has called us to something special. This is a big deal to him. And when we gather together like this, he wants this house to rock. But we can't do that. He can't show up in the way he wants to if we limit him by only showing what we feel like showing. Luke 18. You can turn there if you want to. You don't have to, but Jesus told the parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. I'm going to read it to you here. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and another a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I don't really want to use the word judge, but, but do we compare ourselves to each other? Do you look around here sometimes and just kind of, you just kind of wonder what's going on with them and how that compares to you and what you're doing? I think that that holds us back a lot because I think we worry way too much about what other people think about us and not nearly enough about what God thinks about us. That Pharisee had absolutely no idea what was going on, did he? He had no idea that he was blind and he was naked and he was wretched because he seemed to have so much going for him. You know, when we talk about revival, and you know, we, we did that outreach out here, which, which really was cool. When, when you think of God filling this church, think about it. What would it look like if this, if, if, if this place was just packed with people. Who do you think he's going to fill it with? Is he going to fill it with other people that look just like you and me? That dress like you and me? That talk like you and me? That have all the lingo just like you and me? That, 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 
can talk about not just salvation, but redemption and sanctification and, 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 and we can talk about the anointing and all that kind of stuff? I don't think he is. I think he's going to fill this church with people like the tax collector, people who know they need Jesus, who know that they are sinners, who are absolutely desperate. And the tragedy of the Pharisee and the tragedy with many in the church today, and that could even apply to this church, is that we, we're not humble enough to know that we are no better off than those sinners that we're trying to reach over yonder, wherever that is. The thing about sinners is they know that they're lost. But like the Pharisee, oftentimes we Christians, we're the last ones to know. Or maybe we're just the last ones to admit that we have the same type of issues and the same type of challenges that they do. Now, I remember Steve, I've been going over some of, uh, some of the notes that Steve uh, from Steve, not his last message, because I didn't like that one, but the one, the one before, the one before when he spoke about uh, being free. He asked us the question, are you free? And, and one of the things that he, uh, and of course I, I, I should have written it down, but I didn't. But, you know, remember he talked about uh, this, this woman, this female psychologist, telling him that he was deluded because he just thought everything was fine in his life. And, you know, sometimes I think when we compare ourselves to each other, we can probably say that everything is fine. But when we compare ourselves to a holy God, nothing's fine. We don't have to live in condemnation because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But folks, I'll tell you what. If we are harboring sin in our life, bad attitudes, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, if we're arguing over things in this church that are literally going to burn someday, we are not ready to receive the harvest that Jesus died for. We're not even close. And if we're comparing ourselves to each other, or if during worship we have that desire, there's something in us that wants to explode, and yet we quench it because, well, we don't do that. And we're afraid about what others would think. What a shame. Let me close with a couple of verses here. Um, if you want to turn to Isaiah 6. If the prophet Isaiah was ever concerned about pleasing men, he lost all of that desire, all of that need. He stepped out of that trap when he saw the Lord. I'm going to start with verse 1. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah had an experience where he was able to right-size God. And he began to see not just how big he was, but look at it here. It says here, he realized that he was a man of unclean lips. And he also realized that he lived among a people of unclean lips. He realized that, you know what? Compared to God, we're all in trouble. I have no reason to try to impress somebody else in this congregation because they are not a holy God and they cannot touch Him. Folks, when we come together on a Sunday, this house should be rocking because we understand who we are here for. I know we say it all the time. I know we would, if, if I were to ask you why you come, you would, you'd give me the right answer. But I'll tell you what, I truly believe that oftentimes we don't, we don't believe our own press. We don't, we, we don't believe the things that we say. Last scripture, and I'm going to ask uh, Danae, uh, yeah, Danae and any of the worship team members to come up that are still, that are still around. You know, this is, it's such an overused verse, but I think it's very, I, I think it's on God's heart today. I'm going to read it anyways, even though we all probably know it backwards and forwards, but I think it's, I really think that this is, what, this is God's heart for us today. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. We're going to sing that song that we ended worship with, Holy. And... I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things as we sing. One is I'm going to, I want to challenge you to ask God to give you a picture of himself today. That you and I would see him as he really is. And then as we get that picture, that somehow it would allow us the freedom to be who we are in front of each other. Because church, I really don't believe, I don't believe that until that happens that we're going to be ready to multiply. Do we want to multiply what we have right now? It's not that it's a train wreck, not at all. I think we're headed in, I think we're headed in the right direction. But you know what? We can crawl up that hill or we can humble ourselves and we can go light speed.
as a believer, as a husband, as a father. I'm 48. I don't have time to waste. Do you? You stand with me, please. folks the holy of holies was limited to one man once a year who got to stand in the presence of God and you know what he didn't get to enjoy that he actually went in with a rope tied around his leg and a bell attached to it so that if he displeased God and God struck him dead they could pull him out I don't think that was anyone's idea of fun you and I today have the privilege of being able to stand in God's presence anytime we want. In fact, it goes even farther than that. Paul said, you are the temple of God. The presence of God resides in you and me. Folks, it's time that we understand how precious that is. What an honor and privilege it is to stand in the presence of God. 
Now, I don't want you to do anything for show, but I'll tell you what. I want to invite anyone who wants you to come up here and stand in God's presence because we recognize what an honor it is and how people way back then, they were given anything to do what we get to do every day. Folks, right-size your God and worship Him with abandon because of who He is.
was no way. Our sin separated us eternally from you. And you made a way. You broke down the dividing wall by coming and freely giving yourself, pouring out your blood at the cross. You made a way, Jesus, into the very holy of holies so we can come boldly before the throne of grace. God, we worship you. You made a way when there was no way. You made a way to the Father. You made a way when there was no way. We give you our hearts. We give you all that we are. There's what else can we give for such an extravagant gift of love and mercy? Jesus made a way when there was no way to the Father forever in fellowship with Him. He made a way when there was no way. We worship You. We exalt You, Jesus. I had a picture come to me of oarlocks, oarlocks on a boat. And oarlocks are little things, but they're very important. If you have an oarlock that doesn't work or, or is absent, row as hard as you might, you're going to go around in a circle. But if the oarlocks are there, then you can make progress. And Barry's sermon today uh, that had to do with us putting away pretension represents those oarlocks. If we put away pretension and come honestly before the Lord, and I know I'm a great one at pretending, but if we put away pretension and come honestly before the Lord, we won't be going around in a circle anymore, but we'll be making ground. Holy is the name of the Lord.
Lord Jesus. We make a declaration today. Something that we remind ourselves of that you are holy. There is no one like you. You are one of a kind. You are unique. You are set apart. You are the Almighty One. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and end. You are the everlasting God, the Almighty One. You are Messiah, Savior, the Christ. Lord, there is no one to compare you to. Father, we ask today that you would forgive us for the times in which we have not recognized who you really are. And because we didn't recognize who you were, Lord, it was impossible for us to know who we were. And so we've pretended and we've tried to be something that we wanted other people to maybe think of us as. Lord Jesus, we say this today. We just want to be like you. We are your children, your disciples, and we not only want to follow you, but we want to be transformed into your image. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to do more than just do church. Lord, help us to be your church today, this week. Help us, Lord, to remember that we are part of the body and that we are connected to you, the head. And as we go about our week, Lord, would you help us to take your presence with us to be reminded Lord that it's not just right now that we can sense your presence that we can walk in intimacy and fellowship Lord it is an everyday 24-7 thing because you dwell inside us by your spirit Lord thank you for this time thank you for not for being here because you've always been here but thank you for showing yourself to us in a new way, in a fresh way. And, and Lord, we want to pray and just ask that whatever it is that you are speaking to each of our hearts, help us, Lord, to be obedient to that this week. So that next week, maybe before service even starts, we can talk about the great things that you were doing in and through us over the last seven days. Lord, as we fellowship together over food and, and over what you are doing, would you be with us? Would you guide us? Or would you bless our conversation? And, and again, would you help us, Lord? Would you help us to be everything that you have called us to be? To you, to each other, and to this world. In Jesus' name, and everyone say it, amen.